Our Father, we want to praise you for the joy and privilege of knowing that Jesus Christ died and rose again for us. And that by faith in him, we share in your glory. We have become co-heirs with him. And not just for ourselves, you have called us for the sake of the peoples of this earth. That they may also come to know Jesus as Lord, Jesus as Savior, and to follow him. And to see to it by your grace that others become same. And so we pray that as we look into your word, that God the Holy Spirit will grant us the grace to pay attention to focus, to concentrate, to hear you speak by the power of your spirit through your word to us, that we might be changed for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So please um, open your Bibles, Matthew um, 28, those last few verses for the next few minutes, and then we will close. Now before... Redeemer City Church was started um, before Redeemer City Church became Redeemer City Church. For those of you who were there from day one, we did a survey. We decided that, hey, before you plant a church, at least try to understand exactly what is going on currently in our city. So we did a quick survey and then asked some questions. It was online survey, so there were a number of questions and people just scattered them, and then we asked people to respond. And there was one particular question to which people really responded to that one. And this was the question. What do you think is the role of the church, the body of Christ? What do you think is the role of the church? And we had interesting responses. Others say, said things like, the church is the social conscience of the society. So in a sense, the church is there to hold the conscience of the society in doing what is right. Others responded with things like, the church is there to ensure the word of God is preached. The church is there to ensure that the poor is fed. The church is there to, all kinds of responses came up. But the question, what is the role of the church, is important. It is important. Otherwise, the church becomes, and by the church, I don't just mean Redeemer City Church. I mean the body of Christ represented here in Accra, across the nation and across the world. Otherwise, what happens is that we become like any other social grouping. What is it that distinguishes the church to be the gathering of God's people, they gather together and then they scatter in the course of the week. What is their role? Why do they exist? Why are we here? And I think that no other person but the Lord himself, the Lord Jesus, the, the head of the church, the owner of every local congregation and the body of Christ, he answers it. He answers this question and he does it here in Matthew's gospel as we look at it in these verses. Let me read again for us. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, 
All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of this age. Now, some of you know this. Maybe all of us know this. This is the passage that has been so-called the Great Commission. This is where the Lord commissioned his church before, in Matthew's gospel, he ascended into heaven. These are the last words in Matthew from the Lord of the church. And many a times when we are talking about this great commission, we usually will go to the command. That is what we emphasize, and rightly so. Rightly so. The command that is there, we'll look at the command in a minute. But sometimes we are less in terms of our emphasis on the context within which this command is placed. It is placed somewhere. And that is what makes us, or should make us excited about the command itself. If you understand where he has put it, then you are emboldened, you are empowered to go out. Sometimes when we're home and you want to get the kids to do something, to do some work. And sometimes when it is not happening, you whisper into one of them, the ears, and say that if you get it done, I'm going to give you 10 CDs at the end. So once, and then the work gets done. I'm not saying you should always do that. Sounds like bribing them. Well, maybe it's just teaching them to learn to work for their money. But the point is clear, isn't it? That once you set what do you want them to do within a certain context and they understand the whole thing. They are excited, emboldened, and then they go ahead to do it. But what I'm going to do this morning is also to start with a command. I will start with what he commands the 11 and by extension those who were with them and then across the ages the entire church. Verse 18. Quickly, when you look at the command, before we come to it in detail, you set it in the context of verse 18, Jesus' um, supreme universal authority, and then, verse 20b, his abiding presence. Now, keep these two in mind as we look at it, the authority, the abiding presence, and then we are going for the command. We want to approach this command within these two, verse 19. Therefore, he says, Go and make disciples of all nations, of all people groups, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, straight away, the plain thing is usually the main thing, and this is plain, isn't it? Go and make disciples of all nations. The Lord's ultimate will, at least, here, as we see it in Matthew, and indeed across Scripture. But you let's restrict ourselves to this point. His ultimate will for his church, for the 11 first, for those who were with them and the churches across the ages, for all believers, is that they make disciple makers. Now, this is interesting that I'm not saying that, that they make disciples. Yes, they do, but actually, they make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who reproduce. 
Now, let me jump a little bit ahead. When you look at verse 20b, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He was speaking to these 11 and the early believers at this point in history, 2,000 years ago. Yet he is saying that you go make disciples of all nations, and I'm with you throughout the ages, as though they were going to exist throughout the age themselves. They were not. They are dead and gone. So he was actually not only speaking to them, but speaking to them and by extension speaking to the whole church across all time and places. Now how would we ensure that there are disciples that are made, except that these early believers made disciples who themselves made disciples after they had departed and gone to be with the Lord. And these made disciples, and every generation there are disciples that are being, if you like, reproduced. About two Sundays ago when we tackled, I reminded us that discipleship is not actually, this is not the first time it is appearing. The first time it's, it's, it, it appears is in Genesis 1. When the command is given for reproduction and fill the earth, the idea is here. As human beings give birth to human beings and human beings give birth to human beings, as animals give birth to animals and plants give birth to plants, if you like, the Lord in his wisdom was giving us a picture of something bigger. That the command he gives is that Christians will become disciples who produce disciples. And actually, the term make disciples, in English, it is two, two words, right? In the original, it is just one word. Make disciples. Whilst you are going, whilst you are going about your normal life, we all do not have to wear clerical collar. Wherever and however the Lord has called you, your ultimate mission in this world for the church, for every individual, true disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ is making disciple makers. So the 11 and those who were with them and all believers across the ages are not called simply to become disciples. Oh, you be disciples and take care of yourself. Make sure you are within God's uh, command and you are obeying. Yes, yes, yes. But that is just half of the story. He calls us so that what we see of Christ's work in us, we go out there wherever he has put us Humbly, by his grace, ensuring that others become same and they become same. Now, traditionally, I think maybe these days it has stopped. But our moms in particular, as soon as you get married, they give you, they give you a breathing space of about six months. And then what happens? They begin to ask you for grandchildren, right? Maybe in other cultures you don't do that. Maybe even in the city, it's not really done. But in the villages, you are asked, when are you going to give me grandchildren? <laughs> As if they are going to help you in the process. In a sense, there is, something, there, there is something biblical about that. I disagree with it to put pressure on couples. But if you step back and you look at it gospelly, you look at it in the context of God's scheme of things, all other things being equal. That is how it's supposed to be. 
But here, when it comes to the church and the church's mission, that is how it's supposed to be. The disciple is called in order to make other disciples who are mature to make other disciples, and the generation continues. They look like Jesus, and they follow this king, submitting to him and obeying his gospel every point of their lives. And they are not just inward-looking. So long as I am pleasing the Lord, it is okay. It is not okay. He calls us to please the Lord, to obey him, to follow Jesus, to trust him, but with a mission by his grace of ensuring that others come to follow Jesus and they lead others to follow Jesus. So you can say that on the one hand, we as disciples are objects, objects of everything that Christ has done in the power of the Spirit to be transformed. To look more like Jesus, we receive it ourselves. We are objects of it every day, becoming like Jesus, becoming like Jesus. But we are also agents. We are also agents in the sense that in and through us, that others become objects and agents, disciples. That is our goal, brothers and sisters in the world. It doesn't matter your occupation, as we call it. You are a disciple maker of disciple makers. The idea is we're not called to simply make converts. How many people give their life to Christ? Praise the Lord for that. I always look out for these things. And then we count them. And then we dust off our hands. We had a hundred people confessing Christ. Praise the Lord, they confess Christ. That is only the entry point onto our mission and our task. All these hundred people, if it will please the Lord, and the Lord will grant grace, these are also to become people who lead others to the Lord and actually nurture them, hold them, walk shoulder to shoulder, that they become like Jesus. And those others lead others. And those others lead others. And those others lead others. Now when you look at it, the command he gave them, and I want us to see the weight of it. As of that time, now we can read 2,000 years on, and then, you know, we make all kinds of arguments about it. At that time, we are told here by Matthew that uh, verse 20, uh, um, verse 16, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee. He had said, if you remember, that they should meet him to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And then when they saw him, the 11, some doubted, they worshiped, but some doubted, and all the other things going on. Jesus came and said to them. So primarily, I'm sure there are others, but he's focused on these 11. And then the others, maybe, if they were present, listening in. It wasn't just for the 11, but at least they were present because he had asked for an appointment with them. And then the instruction you are giving them is that they should go and make disciples of all people's groups on earth. The over 11,000 or so people groups on earth. How are they to do this? If we would do the mathematics with their number. But that is the instruction he gives them. Not only that, 
you are saying to us that we are to teach these disciples to observe, to obey, to keep all, everything that Jesus had commanded them, that they knew. Of course, later they will write the scriptures and so on and so forth. But that is the task. All the people's groups on earth, and then to teach them every one of what Jesus had commanded and taught them. And so before Jesus will ascend into heaven, he says, I give you leaders, I give you the church, I give you all members of the church what you are supposed to do. Lift up your heads and look at all the people groups on earth. Do you remember everything that I have taught you? Of course the Holy Spirit will remind them. You are to go out there. Your marching orders. Make disciple makers of all people. Make disciple makers. Make followers of Jesus who are trusting him every day. Obeying him every day by his grace in the power of the Spirit. My friends, let me remind us of this. Thank God when from time to time he brings relief. Relief. When I say relief, through the issues of life. There are issues of life, isn't it? We get so preoccupied with our work. We need to raise money. We need to do this. We need to pay school fees. We need to do all kinds of things. We need to sort out the leakage in the roofing. And we need to sort out relatives who are on our neck. And all kinds of things. All kinds of things. Guests coming in. Guests going out. And all these other things. In the midst of all that. In the midst of all that. As you rise up early in the morning and you get into the car and you get into a crazy traffic and people are crossing, think of all the complexities of life. In the midst of all that, the Lord wants us to have this focus like this, like that. We are called, we are the called disciples and there will be others after us because there were others before us who are called by the Lord that in the midst of all these things ensure that we are making disciple makers. People who will be able to make other disciples in the grace of God. My friends, please, everything else that, the Lord, that is going on in our lives, don't lose sight of this. Don't lose sight of this one. This is the command of the Lord to us. He's calling every one of us across the ages. Wouldn't it be wonderful that when I'm dead and gone, when you are dead and gone, that there are these other disciples in our children, in Chairman Jr., who is now discipling others because they were discipled as children in Christ. And it is just passing on from generation to generation. That is how it has been. That is how the apostles, the 11, interestingly, my, uh, Matthew focuses on, that is how they passed it on, and that is how it will be passed on. That is God's wisdom. That is God's wisdom in bringing all the peoples of the earth in. Now, here is a challenge. If the Lord Jesus had stopped on verse 19 to 28, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them everything that I have commanded you. If he had stopped there, this would have been mission impossible. That is why I was drawing our attention to those who heard it the first time. The 11. What on earth are you talking about? 
Have you looked at our numbers? Have you looked at even Jerusalem? And you give us this task. Teaching them all that I have commanded you. Well, you can teach them. You say we should teach them to obey. We can teach them. They will choose not to obey. How are we supposed to do this? If he has stopped there, then that wouldn't have work. It is humanly impossible. And here's the good news. Here is the gospel. Jesus knows that. He knows that if I give them this task and I end there, it will be truly impossible for them. Especially for those who are married. They'll be so distracted by all kinds of things. They won't do it. And they'll have reasons not to do it. They won't get involved. And their reasons may be legitimate. And so he calls, he tells the disciples, I am calling you to be activist disciple makers within these two contests. Number one, verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, when, especially the Old Testament, when they say that heaven and earth, in heaven and on earth, it is a summary way of saying everything and everywhere. So what he is saying is this. All authority everywhere in the universe has been given to me. This is the authority that I had before I became a human being. This is the authority that has been given, in a sense, given back after the resurrection, ascended, glorified. We see him going onto his throne, not just going into the clouds. The risen Lord Jesus, he's been vindicated that everything he did is true on the cross by his resurrection. If he had stayed dead, then we wouldn't know. But he was raised from the dead. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is before he gave the command. It has been given to me. He has every authority over every spiritual force. Every spiritual force. It is always sad when Christians are afraid of demons and witches. And witch it is always sad when that characterizes their worship, fear of the devil. That characterizes their giving fear of the devil. They are, this is what Jesus says. All authority in heaven and on earth over demonic powers, political powers, economic powers, all forces, visible and invisible. And you know when he talked like this, you know what he was referring to? at least part of what he was referring to. He was taking them back to Daniel 7. He was reminding them of Daniel 7. Let me read verse 14 of Daniel 7. This is what he says. Daniel has seen a vision, and he saw one that looked like the Son of Man, like a human being. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Now, because this is true of Jesus, because every authority is his, every authority is his, therefore, make disciples. Knowing that the one who has called and commissioned you has 
every authority over any false dominion, nationality, tribe, people, language, economic situation, anywhere in the world, from Alaska to South Africa. He has authority. Therefore, he sends his people. This is grace. He doesn't send them knowing that they can't. He sends them with the full backing of the authority of the resurrected Messiah. All authority. All authority. In heaven and on, an, and on earth. And so as the disciples step out by faith in Jesus to obey him, to obey him, there is a release of this authority as they make disciples. How would we experience how would we experience this authority of the risen Christ? It is when we step out. You cannot say you know how to play the keyboard and you don't actually play the keyboard. It is all something you have studied on paper. It is all something you talk about. If you really want to experience the release of your skills, do it. I know that the authority of the Lord Jesus, and Scripture says it, is all over us, everywhere in the world. But especially, the Lord has so said, because every authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, he has particularly, if you like, if you like, for want of language, reserved it that as the people carry out the heartbeat of God, if you, if you don't mind, Making disciple makers, he releases his authority. Oh, some will reject the gospel. Not everybody will accept it, but it doesn't mean somehow his authority has been blunted. He will judge that too. So whether in salvation or in judgment, the authority of Christ as we go and make disciples of all nations, of all people groups, so can disciple-making, making other disciple-makers, who will make other disciples, is that possible here on earth with all our challenges? The answer is a resounding yes. How? By the authority of Jesus. As we, by faith, we trust his word and we go. Not only that, the Lord is so clever in the way he puts these words. First, he, he's, he reminds them of his authority. He gives a command, and then he says a second thing, which is a promise. And that is about his presence, verse 20b. And behold, and look, I am with you always, even to the end of this age. You know what this means? It is true, on the one hand, that the presence of the Lord is with his people. That is what he does. He is our father. He says he will never leave you nor forsake you. If you are in Christ, you are God's child. He is with you. He will be with you. But the experience of this presence, the real encounter of this presence here in Matthew is that in the process of making disciples, we experience his presence. And I'll explain why in a minute and for what. You remember I said that earlier, that 
if you looked at it from 2,000 years on, yeah, well, it makes sense. If you looked at it on that mountain in Galilee with the 11, this is impossible. Jesus is reminding them that the task he has given about making disciple makers will ultimately be accomplished by him through them. Isn't it surprising that when Luke was recording his letters, he wrote Luke, the Gospel of Luke, and then he wrote Acts, Volume 2. And then in Acts, he says to the readers, the reader, he says, oh, in book one, I had been talking about um, what Jesus had been doing, and then here in book two, I want to still talk about what the Lord continued to do. Let me read it for us, and then we will finish off. In the first book, O Theophilus, I dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given uh, commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles when he had chosen, that he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after suffering for many of, by many proofs, appearing to them for 40 days, speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he departed. In Luke's gospel, that is what Jesus had begun to do. In Acts, I'm going to talk about what Jesus continues to do. So in a sense, here in Matthew, he is reminding them that though I have called you to actively make disciple makers, the work is ultimately mine. If I don't get it done, it won't get done. And I'll get it done in two ways. One is by my authority. When you go, you are not under your own authority. You are under the authority of the risen Messiah. And number two, my presence will be with you. My presence will be with you not only to comfort you, but to actually get true disciple makers made. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord that Jesus hasn't left us. And any individual and any church that makes disciple makers, makers of disciple makers, their priority it is not just a strategic move. It is what the Lord has entrusted into the church's hands. If you make it your priority, two things you will experience. One is the outpouring and the experience of his authority as people are brought in and sometimes people are judged, but also his presence in actually making these disciples what he wants them to to be. Making disciple makers honest Jesus because that is what he set out to do. It honors the Lord Jesus. And therefore, he honors it when we make it a priority with all his authority and with all his presence so that the work gets done. We only experience this if we go. We only experience this if we will obey wherever the Lord has put you. Some of you say that I'm not a pastor. I'm not. You don't. This is not a command to pastors. This is a command to the church, to believers, to people in Christ, to disciples. That yours is not just to stay a disciple. Yours is to make other disciples who will make other disciples and reproduce and multiply. That's what we are called to do. So don't only disciple, my friends. Don't only be a disciple. Be a disciple maker yourself. Don't just stay there. 
Number two, you have all that you need. You have every, we have everything that we need. Most of the times when we are planning ministry and thinking about these things, we tend to look at how much money do we have. That is the last thing we should look at. We should focus on what he has called us, the primary things that we need he has given. His authority, his presence. And we experience a release, an unlocking, if you like, of it. When we are actually obeying and going and making under Jesus. And finally, I want to ask you, would you please consider, would you please pray? And we've done a bit of that. Pray that the Lord will make you take seriously not only the idea of being a true disciple, one who follows and obeys and lives under the kinship of Jesus, but also one who makes other disciples. Take it seriously. Invest in it. Invest your time, invest your life, invest your money, invest your food, invest meeting others, invest everything you have into this. If you do, I promise you, not me, but the Lord, you will experience an unusual outflow of the authority of Jesus over people, circumstances, place, the most unlikely people will come to, be, to know the Lord. The most unlikely people will come to know the Lord if we will persevere. So let's make disciple makers under the authority and presence of King Jesus. It is that which will last for all eternity, my brothers and sisters. God bless you. Let's pray together. Our Father, we know that we have just scratched the surface, but thank you that we can even scratch the surface of what it means that the Lord Jesus commands the church of all times, at all times, in all places, to make disciples who will make other disciples, generational disciple makers. Please, would you pour out grace upon us in the busyness of our lives, Please help us to keep the main things, the main things. And in the process of that, may we experience an unusual outflow of the authority of Jesus in bringing fruit to our work. The presence of Jesus is in not only comforting us, but actually drawing people to God by the power of the Spirit. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.